It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Spartans on a Victory Monday, November 5th, 2018. I am your host, Will Hunter. Uh, We have some things to talk about today for sure. I know last week I uh, decided on the 1-2-3 ABC offense-defense special teams format for Monday recaps, Uh, but there was just so much uh, significance happening on the offensive side of the ball against Maryland that we're going to do offense, offense, defense today. So we'll talk... uh, you know, the quarterback situation and then the run game, which uh, was really a great, pleasant surprise, and then just the outstanding performance by the defense. So, full Maryland recap today, and we'll get into that, all of that in a little bit. First, follow the show on Twitter at on Spartans. Follow me on Twitter at Will underscore underscore Hunter, 1L2 underscores. Uh, search us out on Facebook, the Locked On Spartans. Just find the page, you can like it there. Uh, and then, if you ever want to contribute to the show, of course, those routes are all good. Twitter, Facebook, but you can also email the show LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. And lastly, subscribe to the show if you like it. Uh, Thanks for listening. Give us five stars on iTunes, all that good stuff. Uh, Welcome to another week of Locked On Spartans. So let's uh, jump into this Maryland game. And I'm kind of still mad because uh, that's about as thorough as, you know, as a 21-point victory can be. Uh, there was no point where Maryland threatened Michigan State, uh, even when Rocky Lombardi threw what uh, would have been a pick six. Like At that point, the game was well in hand, and it was going to take like three crazy defensive turnovers and touchdowns for Maryland to get back in the game, and you knew that just wasn't going to happen. Uh, so despite all of that, you know, it's like a sleepy Big Ten Saturday. You just go on the road. You you beat the heck out of an inferior opponent, you you get bowl eligibility, it's all good things. I I still, I and many other MSU fans still came away very mad uh, with with how the quarterback situation was handled. And it starts uh, at the top, and if you you read post-game press uh, notes, uh, interviews with Lewerke and things like that, uh, it's absolutely infuriating that Mark D'Antonio would put him in a position, A, where he's hurt, and B, where he's going to play poorly that uh, negatively impacts himself and the team. Uh, and you would have thought they would have learned their lesson against Michigan. You thought they would have, the coaching staff would have realized against Purdue they have a viable, very viable backup plan. But no, uh, it's like the last two weeks never even happened. Uh, Brian Lewerke quoted after the game saying that when he throws, he has a sharp pain in his shoulder. Um, You know, I'm not a doctor, but that doesn't sound like it's going to be something that heals if it hurts every single time that he drops back to throw the football and he needs treatment just to be able to do that. Uh, I'm, 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 I, I'm just, I can't believe that Mark D'Antonio who makes millions of dollars every single year to make hard decisions to be the absolute uh, buck stops here, leader of the program, ultimate, say, decision maker, CEO of the company. He gets all that money to do that. He is the adult in the room, and he defers 
to an injured redshirt junior on whether or not he can play when he hasn't even thrown the ball all week. Uh, that was another thing that came out in the postgame press conference. Lewerke hadn't really practiced at all. Practiced a little bit more than last week, which was almost none. Uh, so he hasn't really practiced in three weeks. He three weeks. He's thrown the ball only uh, in games, uh, and it's freaking obvious, isn't it? Like it's and it's literally nothing against Brian. I think he's a really good quarterback. Uh, I think he's been unhealthy for most of the year. Uh, if you if you talk to people who are in the know or or kind of pick up on some of the chatter from people who have turned out to be right on this situation, this this was going on before Penn State. Uh, and I, you know, I think he's a really good player, really good kid. Uh, glad to have him as a quarterback. Think he's talented. Think if he, you know, gets healthy and develops, he can definitely be an NFL quarterback just with the, the judging based off a skill set. Um, but he should not play. Uh, he's not hurt or he's not healthy. He's not right. He can't, you know, he can't do it. It's not his fault. He's hurt. You have to protect him from himself at some point. I mean, the kid is putting himself in harm's way that is unnecessary. He is uh, playing very poorly. He got, I mean, it wasn't as bad as the Michigan game, right? But the Maryland defense is not the Michigan defense. But he was 11 for 20, 87 yards for four yards in attempt, uh, one interception, QBR of 45.7. And he just didn't, he missed so many throws. Uh, his big completion to Cody White, it was just a jump ball. He just lofted it up there. He had some. He had one nice drive where he hit a couple of throws in the intermediate, uh, you know, in stride, accurate with with velocity. But it's just, it's not fair to him. And I don't care if we're playing Ohio State, Rutgers, or Nebraska. You need to put the person out there who gives you the best chance to win. And it's not him right now because he's not healthy. And for D'Antonio to know what he's going through, see how little he practiced. I'm sure he didn't throw much at all during the week. He couldn't have thrown much at all during the week if it hurts him every time he throws. Uh, and knowing all of that and still giving him the call to to start, giving him you know, the decision, like, do you feel well enough to play? Then you're good to go. Like, that's all you need. Like, the other mounting evidence to the contrary uh, doesn't matter. Of course he wants to freaking play. Like, of course, he's a competitor, he's a football player, and he just watched a redshirt freshman turn in from, turn from a backup to a cult hero with one average game against Purdue. Of course he wants to play. You know, it's not, you don't leave that decision up to Brian Lewerke. You, if you want to protect him, and you want to ensure that he is the starting quarterback regardless and like this is just a temporary situation. All you do, and and D'Antonio hasn't done this. He's, he's botched this entire situation from the start. All you do is you say Brian's going to sit until he's fully ready to go. The moment he's fully ready to go, he is our starting quarterback. There is no debate about that. Rocky Lombardi is the backup. If you want to do that, then that that's how you do that. That's all you have to do and protect to protect Lewerke. And give yourself the option to play Lombardi without Brian Lewerke thinking that he's going to, you know, have to lose his job if he doesn't play through a shoulder injury. Because I think that's playing into it a lot, is he's worried about his future at Michigan State, and so he feels like he has to play through this. Um, and he doesn't. He didn't, or at least he didn't have to. 
but who knows now just with how badly the situation's been botched uh who knows if if Lewerke starts against Ohio State and really freaking struggles and gets killed um and then Lombardi comes in and it goes from a big Michigan State loss to a close Michigan State loss or something like that everyone's going to be screaming for Lombardi to start again uh and they're going to want the the end of the Lewerke era and that's not fair to him uh, given uh, what he accomplished last year and how good of a player he is and how good of a player he has the potential to become. Um, and it would be very unfortunate if their refusal to sit him down with a injury that inhibited his ability to play quarterback resulted in him losing the faith of this fan base and, and losing his job. That would that would be... That would be terrible, and that would—that's a—it's a realistic situation right now. If he goes out there and struggles against Ohio State, uh, he he could lose the fan base, and I think a lot of people are quick to say, "Hey, um, this is because of injury, things like that." But at some point, if Lombardi keeps showing out and is, uh, you know, talented, throwing the ball all over the place, having fun, and keeping Michigan State competitive, uh, it's going to be tough to continue to support Lurkey even when he is back full strength, uh, assuming next year. Because I don't think he's going to become, you know, he's not going to be full strength this year, maybe for the bowl game when he gets a full month off. But if you remember, Connor Cook had something similar. He didn't even throw at the combine. I think he had work done uh, after the season, if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah, it's it's throwing shoulder injury is going to take time. Just ask freaking Andrew Luck. It took him a year to recover from a freaking surgery on his throwing shoulder. Uh, so, yeah. That was uh, infuriating for all the reasons I just summed up. Long segment there, but uh, something I just needed to get off my chest that I'm, I'm really mad about. And I don't know what to, to do from here. I, would, I still think D'Antonio can start Lombardi with public confidence in Lewerke and the idea that it is Brian Lewerke's job when he gets back because he, as of right now, is better than Lombardi. And if Lombardi does really special things over the next month and it's just obvious that he is already better than Brian Lewerke, then you can make the switch going into spring ball next year, have an open competition or whatever. Um, That's a different story, though. That's not what's going on right right now. Right now, Brian Lewerke is just being thrown out there uh, like a whatever, like a piece of meat, essentially. He's not being treated like a person. Uh, And that sucks. All right. We will talk about uh, something good after this. We won by 21, uh, and the run game was actually pretty pretty outstanding. Um, their best performance of the year by far, and it was really uh, a, a lot of a number of good things to see. And we'll get into that. Part of that was Brian Lewerke, by the way. Um, so we'll get into that, and then uh, last segment of the day, we'll talk about the defense. But first, a word from Vivid Seats, guys. We've got a big game coming up at Spartan Stadium this Saturday. Ohio State's coming to town. It's going to be a hot ticket, and if you want to get there, you got to get to Vivid Seats first. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice. And to make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for new customers to receive $20 off orders of $200 or more to save even more money. Let's go to the App Store or Google Play, download the Vivid Seats app, then use promo code LOCKDOWN, that's one word, LOCKDOWN, for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. And guys, I've been telling you how 
the uh, Locked On Network here is expanding its local ad sales. If you are someone who is interested in that or in charge of local sales for your company and are interested in sponsoring this podcast or any of the other Michigan podcasts, we've got a, a Detroit Lions one, Locked On Lions, Locked On Pistons, Locked On Wolverines, uh, reach out to me, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months, or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, welcome back to Locked On Spartans. So uh, I feel like I need to apologize for that first segment because it was, a, like I said, a really good uh, good win for the team, like a nice Big Ten win, a weird spot, emotional game for a million different reasons. Uh, two teams, five and three, trying to get to bowl eligibility. Uh, and frankly, yeah, yeah, Michigan State went in there and absolutely handled business. Uh, and that was really nice to see, and, and I think it kind of started, uh, obviously, obviously the defense was great, but the run game was really just like next level. Uh, so if you take out the kneel downs, 44 carries for 274 yards, that's six yards per carry, three rushing touchdowns on the ground. I mean, that's just baseline stuff, but like, any, if you can rush for six yards a carry, and I, I heard a lot of people saying, oh, it's just Maryland, it's just Maryland. And I talked about this uh, before the game, that Maryland actually had a pretty solid defense, right? Their pass defense had been playing outstanding, but they were getting a little lucky in that turnover department, and we saw that swing the other way, uh, just like I kind of hoped. Uh, but they were really um, a, a good run defense. They were uh, 26th in rushing S&P+. Plus. Uh, Michigan State, just for reference, is uh, first or second. I think they're first in that one uh, now after this week. But Maryland was 26th, and you went for 270 yards against them. That's that's a really good output. Uh, good, so good, in fact, that Maryland dropped from 26th in rushing S&P Plus all the way down to 55th. Uh, and their offensive rushing obviously took a hit as well. We'll talk more about that. Um, but I thought uh, Connor Hayward looked uh, pretty pretty all right. It was he had a really nice that first touchdown run was really nice. Uh, the eighty yard run super is just well blocked and he looked explosive getting through. Obviously he did a good job hitting the hole that was in front of him got through. Uh, but he looked more explosive than I thought just kind of outrunning some people. Um, he's always a guy. It's like. He seemed like, oh, you need two yards, so get you three yards. You need five yards, so get you three yards. That type of guy, a little bit more dynamic than that, and obviously can catch the football. But it was really nice to see that explosive uh, play from him. And Lewerke, I thought, uh, ran the ball really well, uh, made good decisions in terms of when to throw it, when to run it. Uh, obviously, he, like we've already talked about, he didn't quite have it in the passing game. Uh, and for him to be able to contribute 45 yards on the ground, which was a season long for him, which um, is kind of disappointing that you're in week nine and 45 yards is the season long for him. You, we, I think we had expected more uh, in the playmaking aspect of, of from his feet. 
Uh, but he's definitely, uh, I think they've con- concentrated more on keeping him as a thrower, and he's been injured half the season, so they've been obviously limiting his rushing attempts uh, for a while here. But just good to see him uh, get going here. And I thought Weston Bridges had a few uh, nice runs. It was good to see, so Speedy uh, Naylor got in a little bit on some different types of things. He only had one carry, uh, and he only ended up getting one one catch, and it was like a, that jet sweep end around type stuff. Uh, I'd like to see that carry number be like three or four, right? And even that that those jet sweep type things, um, using him in a triple option, we had that look uh, in one of the plays. I forget who ended up keeping it, but Naylor was... It looked like we no one was sure because it was something like different, but Naylor it, it ended up looking like a triple option, and Naylor was the pitch back in the triple option. Um, but it, nobody was sold uh, whether or not it was actually a triple option, or he just ended up kind of there in that space. But if it was, uh, which I think it was a triple option, really a good way to to get him involved like that. Obviously, he didn't get the pitch. Um, but I like the idea of having him there, and I like the idea of him being used on end rounds, and then obviously fakes. Uh, I'd like to see some more screen type things with him, maybe a tunnel screen, uh, that quick receiver screen where <clears throat> the linemen rush out to him basically, and he catches it and cuts back directly into the middle of the field under that wave of linemen, things like that. I, I tweeted uh, out that it was good to see him getting some creative touches. Uh, he only ended up getting two. I'd like to see him get somewhere around eight a game, you know, two or three carries, three or four catches, something like that, three, you know, seven to ten touches uh, for for Speedy Naylor, I think is um, something that they need to try to do a little bit more of, and he's going to help the run game like that. Uh, Ladarius Jefferson, man, uh, I think like he'll get there. Um, he's a converted quarterback. Uh, you can see the talent, but I, th- I thought he struggled with uh, kind of finding the holes and things like that. And that's, you know, that's understandable. Uh, D'Antonio, I think, even said something at halftime, like our backs need to find uh, the creases. And I think he was kind of, it wasn't obviously a direct shot at Ladarius Jefferson, um, but he struggled a little bit kind of running into some butts and things like that. But all of this, comes back to one thing, uh, and it's that the offensive line is starting to look uh, like a good, cohesive unit. Uh, it And it's just like against all odds, right? Like they've been just an absolute mash unit. I don't think anybody has been as hurt as the offensive line position-wise. Maybe the receivers, uh, now that Felton Davis is out for the season. And good to see Cody White back, by the way. Obviously not 100%. Missed uh, a ball that he normally catches. Made a really great play on another one. Uh, <clears throat> he'll be better, even better next week. So good to see him back. But the offensive line, for them to kind of, you know, just spin it, they're spinning tires in the mud for like five weeks, right? Uh, and then they finally start to get a, a unit together that's looking all right. And then Matt Allen goes out. And you're just like, really? Like, it's just not our year. And then, you know, there had been signs. Like, if you take out sacks against Michigan, they ran for, like, I don't know, three a carry, which is bad. But against Michigan, it's, like, slightly less worse than other teams have done. (laughs) It's, like, the lowest bar ever to clear. And then Purdue, it was like, well, you know, the offense moved the ball okay, but it's it's not a good defense. 
And then against Maryland, when you really had no passing attack at all, I mean, the threat of a passing attack is there, and the quarterback run game is involved. Uh, the, that line was blowing them off the ball, uh, and it, it wasn't. I mean, the 80-yard run bumps up the average, but they were they were right around five yards a carry uh, the entire game. And if Michigan State can run for five yards a carry, they're going to beat, uh, especially with this defense, they're going to beat damn near every team that they play. If they run for if they can run for five yards a carry and get a lot of carries against Ohio State, like the game doesn't get away from them and they're in it, and they're in a position to run effectively and run the ball a lot, like they can they can beat Ohio State with that number, for sure. So that's good to see. Like it's just it's crazy, right? We've seen this movie a hundred times. Michigan State's offense, uh, especially the offensive line dilly-dallies around and it took a little that that they're actually dilly-dallying but it seems like they're just stuck in the mud and they can't figure it out uh, and then something clicks and, and they're going uh, and this year was a little bit later than past years usually like mid-october things like that maybe 2014 they're they're cooking from the start uh, but other than that you know it sometimes takes a little bit of time uh, and this year it, it took a lot of time um, and I think you know that was a very good sign to see that, you know, and like I said, Maryland 26th in S&P rushing defense all the way down to 55th after playing against Michigan State. Like, you took a top 26 run defense and hammered them out of the top 50. Um, that's that's worth uh, a, a note, right? That's worth a gold star. That's not just something that's like, oh, it's just Maryland. Like, no, Maryland's not very good. Because they're not very good on offense, they can't throw the ball. Um, they they had a good defense, and you just hammered them. You hammered them by 21 points, and you did it with the ground game, which is uh, it's good to see. So, all right, a little bit of positivity there, and we're going to finish off with even more positivity. We're going to talk about that defensive performance, uh, just how boa constrictor-like it was and how awesome it was to see, and where just Michigan State is flying up these defensive metric rankings. Like, they're a top-10 defense now uh, all over the place, and it's really great to see, right? So we'll get into all of that after this break, but first a word from Sling TV. Guys, you don't want to watch the game. You need to watch the game, and if you're sick of paying for a bunch of channels you don't ever watch, you need to check out Sling TV. It is the best way to watch college football. $30 a month gets you ESPN, Pac-12 Network, SEC Network, and more. And right now, listeners to this podcast can sign up for Sling TV and get a seven-day free trial. Just go to sling.com slash locked on. That's S-L-I-N-G dot com slash locked on. With Sling TV, you can stream on all your favorite devices from your big screen all the way down to your smartphone. There's no useless channels, no long-term contracts, no hidden fees, and you can cancel any time. And once again, that free seven-day trial, you can get it at sling.com slash lockdown. Sling TV gives you the live TV you love, only better. And guys, at the Lockdown Podcast Network, we are revamping and doing some crazy things with our social media channels. So you're going to want to follow on Twitter at Lockdown Network, and you'll get all the... You know, the local shows all in one Twitter feed for your convenience. And on Instagram, they're posting stories uh, and posting different things onto their feeds. You can hear sounds from different shows. Uh, so you want to check that out, too. It's Locked On Network on both Twitter and Instagram. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. 
See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, let's close out this Victory Monday with some more praise. Uh, that defense, woo, woo. Maryland totaled 100 yards of offense. Previously, they had just, they against Iowa, when they were shut out, they topped 100. They got to like 100-something very late against Iowa, and I knew that in the entire time I wanted to keep them below 100 total yards, but they just got there. They completed 8 of 24 passes for 74 yards and had 29 carries for 26 yards. Uh, that, of course, includes sacks, of which Michigan State had 5 sacks, 8 tackles for loss. It, regardless, if you just count, like, if you take out Kasim Hill and Tyrell Pigram's um, carries, they had 8 carries between them, 5 of which are sacks. So we can kind of just, like, take those out of there. But even still, like... Tayon uh, Fleet Davis had eight carries for 26 yards. Uh, he was their most effective rusher. Anthony McFarland, eight for 17. Uh, and then a bunch of guys getting a couple carries here or there. Uh, so in true running yards, like Maryland ran 20 times for about 40 yards. Uh, and that's from a, an offense that came into the game uh, somewhere in like the top, you know, the top twenty or so rushing S and P plus. Now they're down to thirty second. Uh, dropped way down on standard downs. You know, when they're supposed to run, uh, and they ju- like, it's hard to uh, overstate just how much of an ass kicking this was. Um, <laughs> eight, eight uh, completions. On 24 attempts for 74 yards is, is something special. Uh, 3.1 yards per attempt between the two of them. Uh, Kasim Hill at a 10.2 QBR, Pigram at a half of a QBR, and Michigan State didn't even pick off any passes, and they were actually... Uh, so they had that, that crazy wild swing where uh, Lombardi gets picked off, and then Stewart strips it, and we recover it in the end zone, and we fumble it also into the end zone, and uh, Max Rosenthal recovers it for a touchdown, right? Seemed like we had some crazy luck in terms of turnovers. We had a little bit, but Maryland fumbled it five times and only lost two of them. Uh, five fumbles and recovered two of them, uh, recovered three of them. We, you know, that's a little bit unlucky for Michigan State. Obviously, if we're if we're going by the math, it should be two and a half fumbles recovered for each team. That can't happen. Someone's got to be unlucky. It happened to be Michigan State. And Michigan State had a ton of passes defended, but didn't pick off either quarterback. Um, and just based on stats, like they should have had a couple of interceptions too. So, and Maryland got you know one pass defended, and it was intercepted. But uh, we just gotta talk about this freaking Joe Bocce performance, right? Ninety-nine point nine was Joe Bocce's run grade from Pro Football Focus College. Uh, you literally can't do better than that. I don't think they give out 100s. I think it's just 99.9, as good as you can get. And he had finished overall 96.4, seven tackles, two tackles for losses, uh, three forced fumbles, a fumble recovery, and broke up two passes. Joe Bocci is insane. Like, he was so damn good. Um, Willikus was also good. It was good to see Josiah Scott back. Obviously, he wasn't challenged a ton. Uh, and I think he actually gave up a completion, if I'm remembering correctly. But just good to see him get back in the swing of things. Uh, it'll be better to have him 
moving forward, obviously, uh, and really, you know, I think everyone played really well. Uh, the front, Naquan Jones, Raquan Williams, just, you know, Gerald Owens absolutely stuffed up the middle. There was no running room at all. The linebackers flew to the ball. Tyreek Thompson, uh, Boyer, Randall, all that good stuff. Like, everyone was just, Curry Willis was everywhere. It was just, like, this defense was solid earlier in the year, right? Um, and I was, I had said at one point, I think uh, Michigan State's defense can end up being one of the best of the D'Antonio era, maybe just behind that 2013 one. And that 2013 was number two overall in the S&B Plus, and so was 2012. Uh, this team is the seventh best defense in the nation. Uh, best run defense, getting better at the pass, too. They're now 29th uh, in, in pass defense, which uh, we figured, I figured, would, would come back to earth kind of as teams stopped throwing so like damn much on them. But yeah, this was kind of one of the like this. This was just a D'Antonio defense performance, twenty-four to three, suffocating. Uh, Do they cross midfield like more than twice? They got in there like two or three times. Once was because of a turnover. Um, but yeah, just uh, an absolute housing. And like I said, they're now up to seventh in S and P plus. The offense is 95th. This team is 30th overall in S&P Plus. The offensive is 95th. If you could even, like, uh, it's just, this season's going to be filled with a bunch of, uh, like, regrets because we've just seen the defense take shape and become an absolutely elite unit. Uh, And we're going to look back and be like, damn, if we could have just had a little bit more health, if the quarterback could have stayed healthy, if the running, if the receivers could have stayed healthy, if the O-line could have stayed healthy, if any, like, if our punter didn't get hurt, <laughs> if our backup punter didn't get hurt, um, it could have been a really special season because you're seeing what Michigan is doing to everyone else in the Big Ten. And I think given full health on both sides, that's like a really kind of looking back on it now, it's like an even, it's pretty even. And I think Michigan State, similar to what they did in 2013, uh, could have uh, really made a, a strong run through the Big Ten this year. Um if they would have just had a better hand dealt to them, but that's okay. You know, uh, given everything that's happened, you know, every year obviously can't be your year. There's a bunch of really good teams, especially there's four good teams in the big 10 East. It's going to be really hard to win it every single year. Uh, even the most, the team with the most recruiting talent, Ohio state, you know, wins it once every three years or so. Um, so it's tough to demand much more than that, but you know, got next year right (laughs) we said that going into this year but uh if you can if they can come through and win nine or ten games this year given everything that's happened uh i think that's a a heck of a season all right so try to end the show on a little optimistic note there we'll be back tomorrow full basketball preview right we got kansas coming up in the the champions classic we'll talk a lot about that we might slip some football in there depending on what's going on but we'll see mostly basketball show tomorrow so look forward to that thank you all for listening to the show follow on twitter at on spartans follow me on twitter at will underscore underscore hunter one l two underscores subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts give us five stars on itunes if you wouldn't mind that really helps out Uh, And thank you to everyone who's been listening to the show and spreading it and making it grow. Uh, It's really genuinely appreciated. So we'll be back tomorrow talking a lot of Champions Classic. And until then, go green. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. 
Download the Amazon Music app today.